This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. In this exclusive series, entrepreneur and creative leader Andy Norman takes us through his views on creativity, curiosity, and guts. To find out more about Andy, listen to the Q&A listed in the show notes. To find out more about Label Sessions, visit labelsessions.com. Welcome back to the CCNG podcast. I am impressed. I am grateful. And I am actually amazed that you're here. Thanks for coming back. Before we jump into this episode's deep end, let's recap a little bit. And unlike Netflix or Apple TV, there's no skip option here. So over the past few weeks, we learned the dance steps of creativity. We pledged allegiance to the black box of curiosity. And we looked to the blue skies of opportunity. But why? Why did we do any of this? Why do we give a damn? Why do you keep listening to CC&G? Because you want to change the world, of course. You want to upend the status quo. You want to upset the apple cart, which was a very popular buzz term in your grandparents' days. You want to disrupt, which is a very popular buzz term these days. You want to innovate, to find new ways, to be different from the rest, to open new paths. And why do you want to do this? Because everyone wants, admires, and strives for change, right? Unfortunately, wrong. Very, very wrong. Wrong with a thick, bold, capital G at the end to ring and resonate long after the biting sting of having your bubble burst has subsided. Well, let me be more precise for the topic of this episode, which is titled The Myth of Change. Yes, the myth, because the path to change indeed seems to be a gorgeous one. Just look at it. Come on, use your imagination now. Look at it, freshly paved with shimmering blacktop and a clear view to a glowing utopian destination. But start to drive said path and barbed wire wrapped roadblocks rip through the pavement like fingers through Kleenex. That screech you hear is dozens of brakes all being slammed at the same time, reacting to those hazards. So while you're stuck in traffic, listen to what I have come to realize over many years in business. Change is an irrational state of mind. Change is an irrational state of mind. It's not normal. We are actually hardwired for routine and regularity and rationality. Perhaps 1970s rockers the Doobie Brothers said it best with the title of their fourth album, namely, What Were Once Vices Are Now Habits. Getting to a comfy, copacetic state of routine takes time. And once nestled within it, the idea of change from it may be exciting, but it's just that, just an idea, which is why I believe most people don't necessarily like change. They're afraid of it. They'll talk up a storm about it, but when it comes to enacting it, it's uh, you go first. These are the people I call the next evaders. These are imitation innovators who go second or third or eighth, anything but first. They wait for others to take the plunge, follow along, then brazenly trumpet the amazing revolution that they kickstarted. Then there's this breed I call the vultures. These are people who ostensibly want, promote, and desire change. That is, until somebody around them actually changes something. 
They sit around quietly, wait for the first little stumble, and then unleash their steely knives. Indeed, change is far, far from normal. Here's another gnawing realization I have. People don't want to effectuate change. They actually want those they deal with to react differently to the status quo. Let me repeat that and italicize it. They want those they deal with to react differently to the status quo. In other words, I ain't going to change. You are. Sorry, but in business, change is a complicated, intricate dance between buyer and seller. It's a dance that someone's got to lead, and that someone had better be the seller. Because once the buyer, the public, your customer base makes the first move, well, sorry, it's too late. There's some other dance partner on the floor already waiting for them while you get to discover your newfound status as the lonely wallflower. While you're there, buy yourself a drink, because you're going to need it. One final realization here, the only time change is easy is when it's forced, like when someone dies, or quits, or moves away, or a factory closes, or something burns to the ground, or something equally as drastic as all of the above. These emergency situations, while dire, they force the hand of change and, well, sad but true, they actually bring out the best in us. So I guess the easiest way to change things up is to create a scorched earth situation, right? Burn it to the ground. Easy, yes, but perhaps not the best way. So what is the best way then? Well, take a deep breath, mount your horses and draw your swords. We're going to find out shortly. But first, why is change so hard? Why does it take so long? Well, in their book, The Bias Against Creativity, Why People Desire But Reject Creative Ideas, professors Jennifer S. Muller, Shimul Melwani, and Jack A. Gonzalo discovered that when offered a choice between a creative new idea or a practical old one, most people went right for the old one with no hesitation at all. They embraced the tried and true and eschewed the never before attempted and who the hell knows. This mirrors my experience working within the paradoxical place I call the corporate vortex. Whether working as a consultant or working within an organization, I would always hear the same thing cheerfully echoed from the top. We want to be wild. We want to be different. Okay, so you present a wild, different concept. Hmm, well, not that different. Can you bring it down a notch? So you bring it down a notch and present it again. Hmm, still a little too out there. Can you bring it down a bit more? So you bring it down a bit more. We're almost there, just one more notch. So proactively, you bring it down two notches and present it again, and they love it. And then you tell them, that's exactly where we were before you asked for something wild and different. We're back where we started. Put in another, more visceral way, you start with a handful of broken glass, and you end up with a spongy Nerf ball. Earlier in this episode, I said that people don't like change. But you know what they like even less than disruptive new ideas? The people who bring them. 
A quick explanatory aside. One of my favorite books is the late John Kennedy Toole's A Confederacy of Dunces. The nine-syllable title sings like a song, A Confederacy of Dunces. I love it. And it refers to a line written way, way back in 1728 by Jonathan Swift. He's best known as the author of Gulliver's Travels, of course, but this line was from an essay of his entitled Thoughts on Various Subjects, Moral and Diverting. In this essay, he said, When a true genius appears in the world, you may know him by this sign, that the dunces are all in confederacy against him. So why are the dunces in confederacy against, as Swift called them, true geniuses? Why do people dislike change agents? Because they're troublemakers, and troublemakers make us uncomfortable. Steve Jobs, he was a troublemaker. He's revered as a god these days. But back in the day, he pissed off a lot of people as he broke rules and remade the world in his vision. Andy Warhol was a troublemaker. His artistic output aside, he would test the music establishment with ear-busting live events, often featuring the sonic mess of the band The Velvet Underground. My favorite quote from these events is when Warhol said, If they can take it for 10 minutes, then we play for 15. Always leave them wanting less. I love that. Elon Musk is still a troublemaker, and he may be the poster child for unlikable change agents, but I digress. Despite the discomfort they wreak, troublemakers are ultimately invaluable to society. Despite resistance, these change agents are necessary. Maybe a necessary evil, but necessary nonetheless. They see the status quo, and instead of accepting it, they become alarmed, or excited, or both. Rather than accepting the status quo, they see it as an impetus for action. To some of us, including your humble host here, this is a calling, but it's not an easy one. I once read this on the walls of an ad agency. A life that disrupts the status quo is a curse you simply can't cure. A life that disrupts the status quo is a curse you simply can't cure. That quote is now the background image on all my computers, and so very true. But without rebellious innovators, we'd be stuck in the purgatory of the present. We'd never move forward. So as Apple said in one of its most memorable ads of all time, here's to the crazy ones. Anyway, after all this, if you're still listening, I'd suspect you want to know how to become one of these crazy ones. So how do you do it? One hint comes from Berkeley University psychologist Barry Staw. In his essay, Why Individuals Reject Creativity, he outlines a short list of character traits common to rebellious innovators. They are nonconformist. They go against the grain. They are persistent. They don't give up. They are flexible. They recalculate and reformulate. And they are risk-takers, which is the subject of a total full upcoming CCNG episode. Listen for it. If you see yourself in that list, great. If not, the first thing you got to change is you. Earlier on in this episode, I say that a lot, but earlier on in this episode, I said that I'd tell you the best way to change things up. The best way to affect change, even when momentum and people are against you. It's a two-barreled approach. First, you kill all assumptions. Assumptions are the easy way out, the because and the we can't do this because. By assuming, you kill change before it has a chance to draw its first breath. A great story on this comes from troublemaking designer Stefan Sagmeister. 
For the cover of the Rolling Stones album, Bridges to Babylon, Stefan designed the spectacular, roaring Assyrian lion on his hind legs in attack stance. Let me quote him directly from his book, Things I Have Learned in My Life So Far. Because one client killed a good idea, I readily assumed the same client will kill a second good idea. Next time around, I showed a safe and mediocre one instead. When we designed the Bridges to Babylon cover for the Rolling Stones, Mr. Jagger suggested we put giant testicles between the legs of the roaring Assyrian lion. Even though this would have toughened up that tame animal nicely, I had just lived through the ordeal of being forced by another record company to paint a tiny bathing suit onto a bare-breasted snake creature inside a CD booklet for Aerosmith. So I dismissed the idea, objecting that the label was going to make us cut them off again. Anyway, I assumed, like a complete idiot, that the same thing was going to happen again and killed the possibility for improvement. No wonder one of Sagmeister's off-quoted credos is, assuming is stifling. The second barrel has two shots in it. Both shots are aimed at the same target, namely to reframe the problem you have to solve. The first way is something very counterintuitive in problem solving, and that's to look for the path of most resistance. Yeah, yeah, I know it sounds nuts, but that's where change hangs out. By thinking how to make things more difficult, you will unleash a mindset that will not only spark new ideas, but solve problems that haven't even reared their ugly heads yet. Here's an example. Back in the days of traditional media spend at the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival, we had dozens of different shows to sell all at the same time. And to deal with all of them, our marketing department wanted to create templates where we would just plop in the dates, names, logos, and essential information of the shows into the ads, be they print, radio, or TV. On the surface, this sounded like an efficient, easy way to run the operation. And it was. But it was also without soul and without the spirit of madness that made a comedy festival unique. So as CEO, I would insist that each ad, no matter what, would need to be, put simply, funny. <laughs> of course, this made everything much harder and added both time and effort but my point was that this is what the public expected from us. They expected us to make them laugh. And that basic show information must take a back seat to the mood we needed to create, or at least be integrated into it. Ironically, the path of most resistance will ultimately save you time and make you money in the end. Try making things tougher, not easier the next time, and make sure you're wearing the proper shoes. The second way to reframe the problem is, well, well, let me set this up. It starts by thinking like your competition. By pondering what would they do, you look at your company from the outside in and see your vulnerabilities. But I said it starts like this. Don't just think like your competition. Go one step further and think, what would they do to actually kill my business? God, this is a violent episode. What I mean by killing your business is nicely explained by the relationship between the Canadian financial giant Power Corporation and the startup Wealth Simple. In 2021, Power Corporation closed out a $315 million investment in the young disruptive player in the financial services market, that player being Wealth Simple. 
In 2021, Power Corporation closed out a $315 million investment in the young, disruptive player Wealthsimple in the financial services market. Now, I'm not putting words in the mouth of Power Corp Chairman Paul Demerer III, but he was wise enough to know that eventually this is where the financial services market will be. With their almost unlimited resources, Power Corporation could have bought out Wealthsimple and closed them down, or worse, bought them and just ignored them. But by realizing that this is the type of company that would eventually kill them, they made Wealthsimple part of the family. And in its last funding round, Wealthsimple was valued at $5 billion, with the Power Corporation stake blooming from $315 million to $2.3 billion. Talk about a win-win. All right, we've reached the end of the path of most resistance. Put another way, we're done here. In an ironic twist to the end of this tirade on change, I'm going to sign off exactly the same way I have in all previous CCNG episodes. And that's by saying, before I go, if you've dug what you've heard or if you hated it, let me know at Label Sessions on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or LinkedIn. And although I know I shouldn't, I will read every comment and promise to respond to those without spelling, grammar, punctuation, or other such nagging errors. So until next episode, CC and GU later. This podcast is brought to you by Label Sessions, the global platform that connects you to the best advice from the most interesting people. Around the world, we work with brands to connect their people to true leaders, just like the people you hear on this podcast, for live sessions of advice, mentorship, or sometimes to collaborate on ideas. To find out more, visit labelsessions.com and book in for a demo with our team.